Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. My name is Woon Tan and, well, I'm supposed to have my co-host here, but she's late. <laughs> so uh, we're going to see whether she's going to show up. But um, my name is Woon Tan. I'm your host today. And with me, I've got my good friend, Nigel Ng. And he is at Mr. Nigel Ng on Instagram. And yeah. he's a fellow Malaysian and he's based in London. He's a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian. In fact, a very successful and very prolific content creator. Um, so you have performed at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You've been on the BBC uh, at Mock of the Week. You have been on Comedy Central. And also, one of the best things that I think you've ever created is really creating the Rise to Meet You podcast. So yeah. welcome to the show, Nigel. Thank you. Thank you, Woon. Uh yeah, the podcast was great. Thank you for your advice because before we started it, we had a chat with you because you're the podcast pro. So thanks for the guidance. You know, what's your experience been creating the podcast? Oh, I love it. Love it. Love every aspect of it. It's so much fun. Uh, I mean, our fans love it. They're very engaged with the podcast. They bring up things that we mention and DM us about it. They support us financially through Patreon, which is a huge... I'm so, so, so grateful for that because in the pandemic, I can't really perform live stand-up comedy anymore. And that was my main source of income. So I'm just super uh, happy that people like the podcast enough to support us with their money. Wow. I mean, it's really, really inspiring. I think what you have done is really show people that it can be done, that you as a podcast creator, uh, you know, a podcast host can really turn that into uh, an income stream. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I think it, it takes a lot of work. And it takes, uh, I think also, I was lucky to have a small but decent following on Instagram before that. But I think if you if you work hard at it, yeah, it's definitely possible to monetize. And I, I, I wouldn't expect to, you know, have, be a full-time podcaster and make a good living off of it. But it's a great, like, side income for now. And then when things start back up, hopefully I can supplement it with live gigging again. Mm. So let's... Let's let's come straight to your personal story. So I I'm really curious to know like what has been your personal journey because as a Malaysian I knew me growing up in Malaysia being a comedian doing something creative is not really a career option no, for, to no. us right. <laughs> <laughs> I got polluted by the Western mind, you know, by the Western world. I went to university in the US, so that's when I started doing comedy because, uh, you know, there's just so many things you can do there, so many student student groups you can join. So I joined this improv troupe, and I started doing stand up 2011, and I kept doing it. You know, it was very casual at first. Uh, then I moved here to the UK five years ago, and then I slowly got better at it, and then I started picking up some paid work from stand up, and I'll and then slowly I'm like, okay, I, I make you know okay money. Let me just go part time on my day job, and I did. And then as of last September, I went full time. So I think mm. all uh, this creative this creative path came because I studied in the US, and it I was fortunate enough to be exposed to other people doing creative things, and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna do that. That sounds fun. But yeah, I agree. If, if you grew up in Malaysia, that's not a that's not a career path at all and and for you what was the inspiration obviously trying your hands out in improv was like really gave you the, the that feeling of creativity and freedom i'm guessing yeah yeah it was it was just fun really and it still is fun now i mean that's why we do do stuff like this right you know if you pursue something creative it's definitely not for the money so it has to be for the fun of it and then you just love to, i just love doing it and it brings me a lot of joy i miss going on stage a lot Hopefully the lockdown will end soon. You know, pubs are going to be open soon, but comedy clubs, not yet. So 
I just do it. So what what did you actually study? I'm I'm really curious because this is uh quite a I'm I'm guessing to a lot of people a very useful um like story to tell and share because a lot of people have that uh, aspirations as well to be leading their life uh, doing something more creative more um more 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 sort of in line with their passion and you've obviously uh, manage your career in such a way that uh, you are now obviously making money out of your your comedy career and also being very entrepreneurial in your whole journey. Oh, thanks. I think the creative uh, pursuit is not for everybody. And I would always, you know, you have to really think about it really hard because um, there are benefits to just keeping your creative thing as a hobby or a side hustle where you don't have to make money from it. And that that's fun too. And I don't think it's for everybody. But if you have like a creative inclination, uh, my advice, I for me, it was I took a very calculated risk. You know, I didn't go, okay, I'm going to do comedy. I'm going to quit my job and do it now. It was a very gradual thing. You know, I, I started getting better at it. And I saw, oh, I'm getting some income from this. I'm getting paid work in comedy clubs. So maybe I can uh, kind of lower my hours at my day job a little bit. You know, so I think if you want to pursue something creative and you don't have rich parents, then take it slow. Take it slow, okay? If you go all in, you're 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 in for a terrible time because the creative industry is is tough. It's tough. There's no like progression. There's no career. There's no corporate ladder to climb. There's no ladder, mm. you know. So you, it's so open ended, you know, which can be scary at times. But if you take it, take calculated risks, then it becomes a, a bit more manageable. So obviously, Nigel, you you have uh, I've seen your content and I really enjoyed it. I and I've seen you live as well, um, quite a few times. Thank you. What what's your sort of creative inspiration? So I think Lupna's oh, here. Lupna's here. Hello, Lupna. My apologies. What should have been <laughs> in and out. It's like it's thirty four degrees Celsius. And the whole world decided to get in their cars. <laughs> it's the only place with air conditioning in Europe, right? Oh, probably, probably, probably. But I thought, oh my God, what are you all doing? We're still in a global pandemic. But So I apologize for my tardiness. No worries. So, so Lubna, please meet Nigel. Nigel, meet Lubna. <laughs> I've heard a lot about you, Nigel. Hey, thanks. Hopefully good things, Lubna. Always, always. <laughs> Woon, where were you? I was gonna, I was gonna start talking about sushi. Oh, oh, my timing is impeccable. Yes, do it. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Yes, that's why. That's why we have, we want to you on yeah. this podcast because like there's so much alignment in your content. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, take it away, Woon, and I'll jump in. Yeah, when I can. Yeah. So, Nigel, you have some amazing content around sushi uh, on on your oh, channels. Yes. Yes. I, I. Well, the main the whole thing started with uh, me doing a stand up team of sushi. You know, uh, Loop. Now you need to get a shock mount, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Otherwise, I'm also an equipment nerd, so I can hear when you move the mic. You see, when I move the mic, there's no sound. Inbuilt shock mic, people. In- inbuilt shock mount, people. <laughs> okay nigel because you said so you should should get one it's really cheap it's not expensive um (laughs) so sushi well what baffles me is uh sushi in the western world has become this snack you can get at petrol stations you know why why would you get sushi at a petrol station would you get any other cuisine right would you sell tacos at a petrol station no in the uk and get it at boots as part of the meal deal 
right? Who's buying sushi from? Why are you buying sushi from Boots? You know, you next to the condoms and the lube, and then you want to have your lunch. Oh God! And then part of a meal deal, you get you get crisps as part of your meal deal. So you get sushi and potato chips, like Walkers, cheese and onion with salmon, and then you get a drink. And then the drink people get like what 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 do you get to go with sushi here? Oh, Ribena, great. So <laughs> me that people make. I see bankers who work in London, like the city of London, who make like six figures a year, and they're having sushi from a drugstore for lunch. And it's like, why bother making so much money if you're going to have that shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yes. So true. It's the same for buying sushi at a supermarket. Yeah, that's shit too. And then, and then they complain when they get food poisoning. And then they're like, oh, Asian food gives me food poisoning. I'm like, yeah, Asian food from a supermarket. Any food from a supermarket. We'll give you food poisoning, okay? <laughs> my Asian food gets a bad name here. It's not the MSG. It's because you bought it at a pharmacy. <laughs> it is so true. Sushi yeah. requires a proper sushi restaurant. I so totally agree. And I can absolutely taste the difference. Yeah. I've done it once. Sushi from a supermarket, because that's the only sushi I could get during coronavirus. And I regretted buying yeah, it. The ratio is all wrong. The ratio of rice to fish is all wrong. The fish is supposed to be yeah. bigger than the rice. It's supposed to like cover it. But like supermarket yeah. sushi is like, uh, well, you, you, you see how passionate I am about this shit. I'm a very, oh, uh, yeah. so if you like, absolutely. If you like that previous rat. All my comedy is like that. It's absolutely hilarious. Like, well. I, know. I love a good rant, by the way. So uh, rant away uh, because we want to educate people on good sushi on this podcast. And to be fair, we've had a couple of guests that says, well, I buy my sushi from supermarkets. And we were like, all right, that's not sushi. Yeah, no, splurged, splurged a bit on sushi. And uh, that's too much. I think people here just view there's this thing in the Western world about how Asian food needs to be cheap. You know, where did that stereotype come from? Probably, probably like immigrants, Asian immigrants. So my bad. But like, <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes it's cheap because we want to, we, 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 sometimes you do a volume game, right? Our parents' generation, if they came to the UK to start at a restaurant or a takeaway, they're going to go for the volume game. That's all they know. They don't know about a premium product. They never knew how Apple marketed their things. You know, they can go price, they can price it higher, but people will still buy it, right? So they go for volume. That's why there's this stereotype in their heads that, oh, Asian food needs to be cheap. So they're not going to splurge on like, proper sushi chef omakase style sushi where the chef just makes it and then presents a seven course well i say seven courses seven pieces of sushi for like 50 pounds but <laughs> it, people try it uh, you, you your your gag around um how do people become a master sushi chef that yeah. is so funny that's why i respect too if, i don't know if you've seen many sushi documentaries but i have right just watch Jiro dreams of sushi on netflix he abandons his children that's how you know the sushi is going to be good Really? Oh, I, I've not watched wow. that. I've not watched that uh, documentary. Well, he just ignores his wife and kids. That's why he has a Michelin star. Okay, it's very inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. We've got a real passionate yes. sushi lover here. I mean, I bow for this person. I'm not even this educated about sushi. Yeah. And I adore sushi. Well, I don't know what your the vibe of the podcast is. And I think when we started, I was just trying to rein myself in and try to be like serious answers. But I think we kind of opened the floodgates now. Oh, and yeah. This is what this is the real know. Nigel that we yeah. enjoy listening to. It scares people sometimes. <laughs> I, I get on any non-comedy podcast and it scares people because of, you know, what I said and how, how I said it, I guess. Uh, 
but sometimes you gotta you gotta destroy your families and relationships to achieve greatness, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and to be fair, Nigel, we're we're big advocates of authenticity. So be you, please. Do not hold back. Just be you. I mean, I get people that tell other people that they're scared of me. So I would say just go for okay, it. Okay, I'll I'll try. I'll, I'll I'll do it. If the top, <laughs> if I have a lot to say about a topic, I will express myself. Sure. Good. <laughs> so. What's your favorite sushi, or have you also already answered that question? Oh yeah, my favorite sushi place in London is a place called Jugemu in Soho, where it's uh, is a、Ooh. Japanese chef. <laughs> yeah, omakase style. It's not like fifty pounds or seven pieces. It's not upscale. It's not upscale sushi like Nobu, but more like、mm-hmm. casual izakaya style, but、uh, like proper sushi. You know, so seven pieces for like twenty eight, twenty five, twenty eight pounds. I hope it's still there after the pandemic.、Uh, yeah. So I go there, and the chef super rude to everybody who's not Japanese. You know, I, I'm scared of him. I ask him what fish it is. Like, yellowtail, yellow, yellowtail. I was like,、oh, okay, I think I think it's a yellowtail. I don't want to ask him again. You know. I went with your, I went with Leong. I remember your brother Leong tried to take a video of the chef. He tried to film the chef making the sushi, and he just got yelled at by the chef. Like, no, no, stop. <laughs> really? I didn't realize. Chop up salmon and like the mo- it's the most graceful salmon chopping ever. He just slices like it's like a machine, and then every slice is the exact same width. It's amazing to look at. Okay, well I've got I've got my notes. I've done my notes.、Uh, that's the place that I'm gonna go next time I'm in London. Yeah, make a reservation and and I hope it becomes still stays underground. It only has three and a half stars on Google because everybody complains how much of an egoistic madman the chef is. But that's what I like about、uh-huh. it, you know. I saw those three and a half star reviews. I'm like, okay, that I think I like that place. <laughs> Every place、uh. gets half stars now nowadays on Google. In in, in London,、yeah. I don't know how, how it is in the in the Netherlands, Lutna. But every place here, like Wagamama's, which is a generic、yeah. Asian chain, gets four and a half stars. I'm like, who are, who is rating this? You know, would you trust the average member of the British public on their restaurant opinions? No. So. <laughs> There needs to be a, a filter by race option on Google. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, like if if it's a steakhouse, I don't want to hear Asian people's opinions on it. Then let's just filter it to white people's review. <laughs> if it's a pie shop, white people, please. I mean, place or a hot pot place, I don't want to hear white people reviews on it. Right. <laughs> This is hilarious. Oh God, you're hilarious. Yeah, I'm gonna be sent. Is there an HR department for this podcast? Because I'm gonna be sent there soon. You know, I say shit like this when I had a day job, and people people can't handle it. I get sent to HR a lot. Well, there is no HR. Good. I I think this is what makes your comedy so interesting because it's obviously stereotyping. You know, culture and stereotyping Asians, and your podcast "Rise to Meet You" is really all about Asian culture and and the f- making fun out of it. <laughs> well, about what you know, right? And I know a lot about my culture. So, and a lot of, and unfortunately, a lot of Asians who are born in the UK or in the Western world in general, they feel ashamed about their own culture, right? So, it it takes a person like me who's uh who's happy to talk about it and happy to make fun of it, but also、uh, praise it and lift it up. So to be, to be able to celebrate it and make fun of it at the same time, you know, instead of shying away from it and just trying to be white. Too many people try to be white, you know, and white white is that's out of style now, you know. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Nobody likes that beauty standard anymore, people. <laughs> the forties. That was that was Hitler's aesthetic. We don't want that anymore. <laughs> so what do people like? People like the more alternative style things now, you know, like a bit of melanin on the skin. 
right? <laughs> what else? You know, um, people like all sorts of things now. You know, blonde hair, blue eyed. I guess it's. I guess it, it can still be hot, but it's just very old school hot. You know, very Frank Sinatra, Rat Pack vibes. That kind of hot, but. There's so many other types of hot. There's the SoundCloud rapper hot. That's, a, that's something new I learned. Right? Oh. I love the SoundCloud rapper look now. The, the gold chain tattoos, that kind of thing. So I guess that's really? hot too. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of new aesthetics coming up. Blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah, you had your time, baby, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, Nigel oh, is very, very cultured. Yes. <laughs> Very good. A lot. I know the trends. Yeah, you 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 do have a big following on 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 all social media platforms, but I think you are definitely very very prolific in your content creation. Ah, oh, thanks, man. I I feel I I follow a lot of content creators that I love, and I see them, and I feel like oh, I'm so lazy. But thank you. That's just kind of you. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on who you compare yourself to. So, Nigel, besides creating content, what do you do? What do you want to achieve in the world? I want to be a internationally touring stand-up comedian. That was that's my first and foremost. And the content serves as a means to sell tickets. You know, the content I view it as marketing. Without content, mm-hmm. how, how do you market yourself? Right? Post a poster of your show. Like nobody's gonna. Have you ever seen a poster of a show and then decided to go to that show? No. Well, you you got a good poster behind you. Everyone yeah, is, I do, but it's like of... you will only go to that show if you already knew who I was, right? Yes, true. So a lot of people true. when they go on social media, I use it as a marketing tool. So I make content, and people are like, "Oh, I like I like his videos. It's funny. I guess he'll be funny live too. Let's buy a ticket." So that's the that that's why I make the videos. Yeah, I, I went to your show where you opened Ken Jong. So I didn't go to see Ken Jong. I went to see you. Ah, oh, thank you, man. That's a very expensive <laughs> ticket to see me. You could have seen me. <laughs> A lot deeper. <laughs> That's very nice for you to say. <laughs> oh, that, this is hilarious. So you want to do this globally and really go on a theater show? Yeah, tour, tour globally. And I'm, I'm already. I wouldn't say I'm start. I would. I, I gig internationally already. I wouldn't say it's like uh-huh. a world tour just yet because it's just like I book a gig here, book a gig there in Singapore, Malaysia, hopefully Indonesia next year. Uh, fingers crossed. And then, yeah, I already gig internationally. So the next step would be to grow grow my fan base even bigger and then start being able to uh, tour bigger theaters. What's a country you haven't been in but would love to be in? Uh, oh, lots of them, man. I think, I think the US would be great to crack because visa-wise it's tough. So you got to have like some notable achievement first. I would love to play Canada. Mm-hmm. I haven't played there yet. Basically, any, any country with a big Asian diaspora population that'd be mm, great Australia I'll go there this year until the pandemic hit and i got to fly back uh so it's supposed to be in melbourne april there's uh, a, a there's a big japanese contingent in brazil apparently oh, so really? get, get all your sushi gags out ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on, that, on that note by the way why sushi on the what on that note countries and diversity and culture but why do you use sushi in your work so oh, much? sushi is just one of the many things i talk about i have a lot of jokes about rice too oh that's true that is yeah. so true <laughs> jokes about rice. like enough with the uncle ben's instant microwave bullshit right they, they don't even know how good rice can be and people say I feel stuck eating our potatoes. I'm like, okay, potatoes are great, but have you cooked rice properly? Have you used a rice cooker? Right? Nope. Everybody fucks up rice here. Nobody knows how to cook rice. 
it, it, because it's very a, a very tricky thing to get it right if you use a saucepan, right? True. You microwave it. Yeah, that's even worse, obviously. But people haven't even had good rice yet. And then they, they yeah, they just mistreat rice a lot, man. <laughs> again, again, it's like people with money, with proper jobs. I see them on lunch break. They're microwaving a pouch. It's like, my God. Like even a cup noodle, a noodle, you like ramen cups, you pour hot water in. That's better than Uncle Ben's. <laughs> Have, have Uncle Ben oh, reached out to you? No, I, I hope they will. Please sponsor my podcast, Uncle Ben's, if you want to check. <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, you said it yourself, Nigel. If you don't know what good rice or good sushi is, then everything you eat is good enough. Yeah, but don't you feel a sense of an emptiness in your heart forever because you never tasted joy? You know? That's what people well, get depression so easily in the Western world. Because food sucks. What do you live for? You probably, I, I, I you're mean, probably not rich enough to buy a yacht, right? You're probably not rich enough to like buy the, the actual luxury things that bring you happiness. So what else do you live for? For me, it's food. Food is, you know, even the most expensive restaurant, you can save up a bit and still afford it, you know? And that's such a point. Yeah. But people here yeah. in the UK, especially, don't really value food that much. They think Greg's is a great place. It's a bakery. <laughs> It's a very middle of the road commercial chain bakery. So, yeah, but again, I mean, I, I'm I'm on Moroccan, and Moroccan love food. They love good taste, and if it doesn't taste well, we don't eat it. It's that bad. Yeah, that's good. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. So my frame of reference, my norm of food is very high uh-huh. because I'm I'm into taste. I mean, I can taste the difference between a cup of coffee made in a machine that grinds the beans before it it pours the coffee, and a cup and, and a machine that just uses powdered coffee. I can taste the difference, and I can taste the difference between good sushi and very bad sushi, or not so. Decent sushi, by the way. Yeah. But that's because my, my, my taste palette has been developed and I'm used to strong flavor. Yeah. I mean, we use a lot of herbs in, in the Moroccan kitchen. I know the Asian kitchen is the same thing. Oh, yeah. That's but right, if that's you... kitchens in an Asian household is outside, right? Did you ever grow up in an Asian household? There's two kitchens. There's an inside nice kitchen that you know looks nice for the guest. When they come over, yes. here's my kitchen. Oh, it's so clean. There's not even any vegetables and fruit. Where do you cook? Oh, outside. So go to the neighbor's house. Yeah, right? that's so our, true. If we cook inside, our whole house will smell like fish sauce. <laughs> so we cook outside. I love that. I mean, this is hilarious. Here in the Western world, you'll get the police will come. You have a no, unless you barbecue. Oh yeah, bar- yeah. Okay, barbecue is an exception, but yeah, imagine if you have a big walk outside and a five foot fires, you know. And then fish sauce everywhere. <laughs> but but honestly, I've been to Spain. Uh-huh. That's how they cook the best paella yes, outside yes, on a true. very big wok type of pan, and you you can taste the difference between that on the beach mm-hmm. and uh, a paella in the restaurant. So it it can be done in Europe. I don't think that a lot of people do it yet. Yes, uh, let me rephrase it. I think it, it can be done in European countries where they value food. You know. So I think Italy probably has like an outside kitchen, right? I'm guessing. Yes. But like Scotland, no way. (laughs) (laughs) We go to Edinburgh. (laughs) People cooking outside, outside the castle. (laughs) Well, at least they have enough room to do it. Yeah, true. True. In Scotland. Oh man, if I ever buy a house in the UK, I'm going to have an outside kitchen. 
I got a permit. <laughs> yeah. If you ever buy a house in the UK, yeah, too expensive, man. Too expensive. So, Nigel, I I wanted to ask you. So, you know, for our listeners that that are looking for more inspiration, uh-huh. you know, like you are you are really prolific. Uh, you know, coming up with your jokes and testing your jokes. There's there's a whole process behind it, right? Like, could you share uh, some insights around that? Because I know a lot of it is inspirations, right? But but then there's like there's must be some secret around creating jokes that go viral, you know, content that lands. Uh I wish there was a secret, man. I, I every 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 time I put out a video, I'm nervous, thinking, oh, is it gonna hit, hit hard? Even now, and I've been doing this a year and a half now, I guess. So uh, for me, the process is just I, I get an idea doing something one day or I, or I see something, some other person's content and it sparks a, like a thought process and I get other ideas. I write it down somewhere, like just a, a sentence describing the idea. Then I come back to it. And then, you know, over the course of the week, I'll just go about my life, maybe grocery shopping. I'll think about the idea again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Let me make a sketch about that. You know, so for instance, like, oh, there's a proper example I can share with you that I talked about you before you started recording. So, so I, I my co-host on the podcast, Evelyn Mock, we were talking about how Asian dads can't, uh, they hate it when you leave the lights on, right? In the house, they're like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting money? And they just shut the lights everywhere, right? That's a very Asian thing. So I do a lot of comedy about Asian culture. I said, like, okay, that's a great observation. And then I was like, okay, how can I use this observation? So yesterday I got the idea of like, okay, what if it's a, interrogation situation and then an Asian dad's being interrogated, right? And he's like, oh, I'm not telling you anything. I don't know where the money is. I'm telling you anything. Until the interrogator says, okay, I'm going to have to pull out all the stops. I'm going to leave all the lights all the lights in your house on. And the Asian dad goes like, no, no, let me tell you everything. Some of the LEDs take so much energy. Stop it. You know? <laughs> you can see how the idea is like, okay, Asian dads hate it when people leave the lights on. So how do I turn that into a funny thing? Yeah. Instead, of just, yeah. You, instead of just saying it because like and it's just another interesting thing like it depends on the medium you're going for as well because with the observation Asian dads hate leaving the lights on if I do it on a stand-up setting I'll go about it differently maybe I have to establish it and explain and then just say it but if I do an online video it has to be I want it to be something different right I don't want to just say it straight to the camera that's boring so I think okay maybe a sketch in what situation would this thing be funny so I think Thought about the interrogation sketch. That's that's kind of the process for this week. So mm. every 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 content is slightly different. So last week I had a video which is um, Evelyn narrating my workout, and she, had, <laughs> she knows nothing about working out. And I try to do ridiculous things in there to see what she says. So I don't tell her what I'm doing. I just record it, do some quick edits, send it over to her, and I tell her, okay, just narrate over it without watching it beforehand, and just narrate over it, and it turned out to be quite funny. Then I got the and started editing. So that was another idea. Yeah, every every week's different, but that's kind of the process. I get the idea and I decide, okay, that sounds funny, let's go for it. Yeah, basically that's that was a video of calisthenic muscle up. That's yeah, that, that's that's, that's the technical uh, term. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that video, it's hilarious. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. It, it's supposed to be well, if you know calisthenics, you know those moves are kind of impressive. Yeah. The yeah. point of the video is to be funny and I'm happy to be to be made fun of, which I I got made fun of. But also uh, I take my shirt off in the middle of it, near 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 the end. So it's not for everybody. <laughs> no, no, no. 
<laughs> well, um, I mean, you're you're a comedian. That's how you want uh, uh, to be perceived in the world. That's how you show up in the world. Well, for those of of the listeners that are that are listening to this podcast and they're thinking, I'm a speaker or I want to create content as an entrepreneur, but I don't want to be comedian. How? What are your tips about how they can use humor more in what they do? Uh, I can use humor more in what you do. I think you, you you should, if you can, if you're a funny person, if you're not a funny person, don't do not do humor in your videos. It's, it's extra cringe, you know? What is a funny person? Sorry? What is a funny person? To go about life and then you realize that parties you make people laugh. Like you, you, you kind of you know, right? If, you, if, you're real, if you're more of a, a non-funny type, which is completely fine, by the way. Not everybody needs to be funny. You know, some people are more serious. Some people are more sincere, and that's okay too, right? You need clowns. You need you need like slam poets. You know what I mean? That's the most sincere, aggressive person. But uh, I think it has to. If you're doing it content for your business, then it has to be somewhat aligned with your business, right? So if you're a plumbing company, I don't know what you do, like plumbing tutorials. Tips to avoid my bitch. You know, yeah. Uh, Plumbers hate it when you do this and then a big YouTube thumbnail in the face and pointing towards a pipe. (laughs) (laughs) I think that most of our listeners are knowledge entrepreneurs. So they sell what they've got between the six inches uh, between their ears. Uh, Okay, okay. So how about that? Because what do you do then? I think tutorials mostly, right? I I think, well, I'm going to sound like every other YouTube or social media guru now, right? I'm going to say, okay, bring them value. Bring them value. (laughs) You know, make sure it's sorry for taking a piss, but I I hear it a lot, and it, it, it's true. It's it's very correct, but it's also such a platitude that I need to make fun of it a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, so cliche. Yeah, bring them value. I mean, it's true, but like uh, I, I knowledge workers wise, I would say get on LinkedIn. That's like I mean, the level of engagement or getting reach on there is like TikTok levels. You know, and it's yeah. not my niche. Because I'm a com- comedian, so I'm not I'm not on there. But if you are like a knowledge worker, get get on LinkedIn, make videos for LinkedIn and a LinkedIn audience. Uh, and then what what's an example of a knowledge worker? So someone who tries to sell courses, for example, someone who try who sells basically what they know a lot about. So it could be anything. It could be about podcasting. It could be about personal branding. It could be about productivity. It could be about happiness. Ah, okay. Yeah, and definitely like instructional tutorial based videos. You know, if I say like, like podcasting, there's a lot of content out there already. You know, like uh, what, what gear to start your podcast with? You know, like budget podcasts. Start a podcast on a, on a budget, that kind of thing. If you're happiness, I don't know. I never thought about happiness that much. I've always been okay mental health wise, but you could be like, uh, <laughs> yeah, struggling to think. How do people become happy? Are you poor? Listen to me and be happy. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. I mean, it's it's good to listen to inspiring things. I've studied the signs of happiness. That's why oh, I use that. Okay. okay. Well, I haven't. Luna so. Luna goes to corporate like, companies and teach them how to be happy. Oh, that's perfect. So I like anything I I, w- I would say, you know, when you when you do like probably a seminar for uh, for at a corporate event, right? And you probably get questions at the end. Yeah. So those questions are like perfect video ideas because those are already things people want to search for, right? So I don't know too much, but that's how I would go about it if I were in your in your niche. That's a really really useful useful suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, another thing is you got to go on YouTube and then see what they auto complete, you know, if you type how to be happy and then see what comes up with after, then make a video on that. Because mm. you know people are searching. 
So one thing yeah. is you you obviously um, were doing stand up comedy in physical events, live events, right? And now that mm-hmm. the lockdowns happen, you obviously done everything online. And like, what has been your experience and what's been your learning? Because I think this really applies to all the speakers that are listening because they all sort of lost their speaking stage as well. Yes. And I'm going to say this from a stand-up comedian's perspective, right? So again, it boils down to every platform has their pros and cons. So I view stand-up, life work is just another medium, another platform, right? And the pros of life work is like the instant the gratification, the, 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 the adrenaline rush, the response you get when you hear a laugh, just the, just the liveness, the in-the-momentness of it all, right? The con of life stand-up is it's, it's not scalable at all. You perform it, it's done. You can't, you, you, unless you, I mean, unless you film it, film it, but then that becomes a different medium, right? So I think for now, because I can't perform live anymore, I, I tr- you know, you have to try to use this opportunity, right? So I've had more time to make videos now, which is great. I've improved my video editing skills, improved my video making skills and uh, filming skills. So I think I'm using this time to make online content that's scalable and keep the fan engagement high so when things get back to normal they'll they'll hopefully buy tickets to come see me again and, and you you do some zoom comedy events right that you yeah, that yeah. Been doing. yeah 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 i think zoom wise i've done i've done zoom stand-up shows where i just do my material and do the jokes and i've also where people are unmuted so i can hear the laughs but i've also done like zoom live podcasts where it's just a chat mm. with my co-host or a guest, right? Um, and I feel like stand up on Zoom is it's okay. It's not, you know, it become it it kind of has all the cons of live stand up, but without the pros. It's not scalable, <laughs> right? I like what it is, right? It's not scalable, but and you also don't feel the instant adrenaline. You feel a little bit of adrenaline, I guess, but ultimately you're still in your in your in your home. Yeah, there's still yeah. like no spotlight shining at you. There's still no yeah. smell and. Not taste, where you can't really taste anything. But you know, you have like so many senses going at the same time. Do you find it easier or, or 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 more challenging without the instant feedback? It's tr- or, I think it's or, trickier or... because there's a lag on Zoom too, right? So you say a joke, you have to wait for half a second before you hear the laughs, and it's weird. It th- it throws off your whole vibe. It's it's a natural form of communication, right? Mm. So I I think it's okay. It's passable because. Like there's a pandemic, but once things get back to normal, will I go back to doing Zoom shows? No. Yeah, it's a, it's a shit substitute, but it's the only substitute we have. Mm. I get that. I really get that, and I and I resonate with that because there's a difference for me standing on a stage with even 25 people in the room. It doesn't have to be 60 or 100 or a lot. Is a completely different experience than behind a screen because you can't feel the energy yeah exactly it doesn't come true you can't feel it and that's what what drives us at least that's what drives me i mean that feeling because the more i get from it the more i can give as a speaker and you don't have that through a screen yeah exactly that's my point exactly and also as a comedian you you the stage becomes part of your act the physical thing called the stage you can choose to walk around it you can jump up and down you can mime running right now I guess you can do a standing desk, but you're still limited by the camera, right? The camera is not going to like move yeah. with you. So it's very limiting. Sometimes I use the mic stand for comic effects. Sometimes I, I knock the mic over. I use the mic. I use, I use a stage as a prop. So a lot of things you can't do on like, you know. Oh, one, thing, one thing we forgot to mention, your sound effects. <laughs> oh, yes. 
For instance, when you say something sexual. Oh yeah, baby girl, this is my new character. It's a smutty late night radio DJ, DJ Doggy Style. FM sixty nine point six nine. All right, shout out to the livers out there. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. That's one of the my characters, DJ Doggy Style. You'll hear it on the podcast. He comes up. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, what's another? What's another character? What's another character? Want to know? Wanna uh, know? Another character. I have two characters. It's DJ DJ Doggy Style is one, and the other one is Uncle Roger. Just it's just an Asian. I, I do an Asian accent. It's just me with an Asian accent. So Uncle Roger, hello. <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. So fun. Well, welcome, Uncle Roger. Oh, it's no good to problem. have you. No problem. <laughs> you, you, you. How are you today, Uncle Roger? I'm okay. I'm doing okay. So hot. Okay. Today. Remind me of home. <laughs> oh, and where is home for you? Malaysia. Oh, I don't know what. Where should Uncle Roger be from? I don't know. Let's say let's say Malaysia for now. I mean, Malaysia. it's definitely Malaysian. It's more Malaysian yes. than anywhere else, I think. Okay, la, Malaysia, la. okay, okay. Yes. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> Something like that. You know, it's an Asian podcast about Asian culture. You got to do an accent sometimes, right? Yeah. But that's another thing. Oh. That's another thing. Accent based comedy is on a decline, which I feel is a shame. Oh, is it? Because, yeah. I mean, as you're, if you're white, you can't really do any accents unless the accent you're doing is also white, which is such a shame, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't think doing an accent is considered racist. I think it's what you say when you do the accent. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. But people, people here, it's so because the political political climate is so sensitive now. People here go oh, accent. I don't want to engage. They clam up. So now it, it it it's such a shame because like white comics, they can only do white people accents. So what Scottish, British, you know, Australian? How boring is that? So so like, this, what do you want to this is actually doing? really interesting because like I I never thought about this, but you're saying that this is really mean that from a cultural point of view all these comics are being affected because of the political climate. Yeah, yeah. And sure, I yes, I get that there are a lot of like older generation shit comics who just do like a stereotypical Chinese voice and then they do their eyes like this, you know. Yeah, that that's just shit comedy, right? But an accent is just a way of speaking. So mm-hmm. it's, it's what you say. It's not like, you know, the, the accent you put on. Mm. Yeah, and to be fair, there are people that have an accent. Exactly, that is recognizable. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, it, it's not like it doesn't exist. We're not pretending to be. Yeah, anything that it doesn't exist in real life. There are people with an accent. Exactly, and you can also be super racist without putting on an accent. You know what I mean? <laughs> which which yeah. is far more common. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't do an accent. That's not making people less racist, you know. No. Oh, I just love it. But you are hilarious. I think it's actually better because then they have to learn someone's culture. They're like, oh, I want to do this accent. Okay, let me go make some friends of this from this nationality. Maybe they'll actually become less racist by doing a Jamaican accent. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but it might be the case, right? Well, to be fair, but you, you you hear a lot of people talking about Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and that, that they're sharing about if you want uh, to do something, then 
educate yourself on the culture, educate yourself on the history of black people or people of color, however you want to call it. And it is knowing more about their background gets you to understand them even more. I mean, the, the, the amount of questions I get from people, despite the fact that there's a lot of information out there about Muslims or Moroccans, I still get questions. I think, oh, my, really? We're in the 21st century this is common knowledge right now. Yeah. And it, it proves that you've been, that you know more about my, and I'm, I love it. I love people that actually put in the time and effort to learn more about other cultures and, and choose a culture you're you're drawn to or, or if you want to be polarizing, choose one that you actually think, I have nothing with that in any way, shape or form. Force yourself to read a book or watch a documentary in any way, shape or form. I think that that would absolutely benefit the world because a lot of the prejudice and presumptions are based on not knowing yeah i agree i agree like if you tell people oh don't don't do this accent it just makes them scared to even want to learn about someone else's culture you know like, oh what if i yeah. get, come across as racist yeah. so, so do you find that yeah, people sorry. people who are like your fans and your audience like do they do they come to you because they learn about asian culture do you see yourself in that role, like the educational role? Uh, no, man. I just want to be funny, man. <laughs> I don't really... If it's educational, great. But I don't set out thinking, what are listeners going to learn from this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> what are listeners going to learn from? Uncle Roger, real estate professional. They're not learning. It's just funny. I sell houses. I'm a real estate agent from London all the way to Basildon, okay? <laughs> I'm not learning anything. It's just a funny character. So, No. I just if you can't, it's just funny. Yeah, so it's and, it's and, really pure entertainment, and that that what's that's what people are looking for. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, if you wanna if you wanna uh, learn something, you know, go go watch some knowledge workers video on you uh, LinkedIn. You know. Yeah, true, true. So as we wrap up, Nigel, what's the one thing or a couple of things that you want to leave our audience with? Wow, that that's an open ended question. Um, go listen to my podcast. You know, okay. I'm a Patreon. Become a patron. We really appreciate that. You know, I'm a, uh, I'm, a I'm a small patron member of yours. Yes, Woon is the patron. Thank yeah, you. I'm actually the hundredth patron. Yes, Woon was the hundredth patron we got. So wow. Great. Um, I, I'm just really proud of the stuff, the the things I put out. I'm I'm on, I'm on the podcast. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. So uh, yeah, if you if you like any of the things you heard here, if you have made you chuckle, please give me a follow. And yeah, that's it, really. Is there anything else? Okay. Yeah. No, no, I think it's very good because let's be honest, every content creator um, does this uh, and the more support, the more you know that there are people listening to it. So, especially, and I love that you said that, Nigel. I think if this episode has been of value, if you love, if you had a chuckle or two uh, or um, smiled so much that you can keep sitting on your chair because that was really difficult for me, um, please Please support Nigel by following him, subscribing to his YouTube channel, listen to his podcast, share with whomever you know in the world. You never know. You might be the one person that uh, is the leverage to him doing a global tour. Yes, whatever Lutna said. So uh, if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts and give us a nice uh, uh what nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Some, something like that. I'll plug your podcast too. Yeah, so... Oh, that's so nice. So, yeah. Nigel, you have been an amazing guest. So, everyone go to Mr. Nigel Ng uh, and yeah, you're on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, M-R-M-I-G-E-L-N-G. 
in case you need to spell it out for you because it's a difficult, it's an unusual last name in the UK. So, well, we'll add it to the description so people don't have to go back and yeah. and think what did he say. By the way, smart, 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 smart. So, thank you very much, and I think we're gonna close this episode. Thanks. Bye. Have a great day. Have fun. Thanks. Bye.